Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. I um, forgot to mention last week that we took a, a Sunday off of the sermon series, so that's why there wasn't any sermon from me last week. But we are finishing up our sermon series that we're calling Flux. And before I get into that, let's read the passage that we're going to focus on today. Uh, During the sermon series, we've been looking at the book of Acts, and so we are going to go to chapter 6 this week from the book of Acts, verses 1 through 7. This is a story of conflict and and reconciliation in the church. Now, during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task. While we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. Last summer, I did something that normally is reserved for people who are in their late teens, but uh, I had all of my wisdom teeth pulled out. Not an experience that I would want to go through again. My wisdom teeth had come in, and for the most part, they were doing okay. But a couple of years ago, my dentist said, you know, one of these wisdom teeth really needs to be pulled, and another one is looking a little dicey. And so she explained to me kind of the process for doing that uh, and then kind of threw out there, you know, if you're going to get these pulled, you might as well just get all four of them pulled at the same time. I didn't know exactly what that would entail, but uh, I decided to to go ahead with it. And so while we were doing so, and as they were, I was getting prepped uh, by the, the, the dental surgeon who was going to do the extraction he gave me some instructions. I was not completely under. I was took some uh, laughing gas, so I was kind of awake, couldn't feel anything, but could kind of sense what was going on around me. And as they were prepping me for this, uh, they had to do some things in my mouth that didn't feel very good, poking and prodding. And uh, they said, uh, I can't remember who it was, if it was the surgeon or one of his uh, technicians said, as we get ready here, if you feel any pain or pinching, let us know. We can do something about that. Now, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I appreciate people who will speak up and say, yes, that's hurt. that hurts so that they can do something to, to numb the pain or whatever. But there was one point they were doing something and I shifted into this, uh, I'm a tough guy. I can handle this pain. Uh, and I'm just going to not literally grit my teeth, but kind of bear through it. And they kept looking at me and they said, are you sure? Are you sure you're feeling okay? And meanwhile, as tears are beginning to well up in my eyes, I finally kind of nodded. I didn't say anything. I just kind of nodded like, 
you know, maybe grunted or tried to say something with my mouth full of stuff like, yeah, that kind of hurts. It took me so long to finally admit the fact that, yes, this is painful. Let's do something about it. And I thought lots of things I learned about that experience, but one of them I think is that sometimes we wait a little too long to speak up if there's something that's troubling us. We think that we can just plow through it and we can, no problem, we can make our way without acknowledging that, yeah, this hurts. Well, as I mentioned earlier, this is the last in this sermon series called Flux. We're talking about transitions in life, and we're also focusing on the book of Acts. The first week of this sermon series, we talked about grief, the grief that comes whenever there is Uh, or often when there is transition. And maybe out of that grief, there's little sparks of hope that we see before us. But then if we think about really living into this change, this transition, fear, understandably, begins to surround us. So how do we respond to that fear? Well, we pray for courage, and that's going to be the focus of our sermon today. Asking God, hoping that God will give us the courage to actually live into the change. Now, as we read this passage from the book of Acts, at first you might wonder, where's the courage here? It doesn't quite jump out at us. Well, let's take a look at the transitions that are happening that may have led to the courage that I think is there. Well, first of all, as we see early on in the book of Acts, this is the good news is that the early church is growing. Pentecost has come, the Holy Spirit has come upon upon believers, and others are really curious and interested about what this new movement is all about. So if we back up one chapter in Acts 5.14, we see see the passage saying, yet more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. And then two verses later in chapter 5, verse 16, it says, a great number of people would also gather from the towns. And of course, in the passage we read today, very beginning, verse 1, now during those days when the disciples were increasing in number. So this is good. The church is growing. This is what, for those of us who are people of faith and belong to a community of faith, this is what we want, especially in these days when there is so many uh, news articles about the decline of the church. Here we see an increase of the church. So, so what's the problem? Well, this growth, which also brings with it transition, which also brings with it change, it's having an adverse effect on the church's leadership and its mission. And so, Perhaps we are seeing here there is some grief. Maybe some folks liked it when there were just a few people. But then we can imagine that they thought, well, here's the hope that more and more people will hear about the gospel. But then the fear, will it change? Will our movement change? So again, all of these different emotions, I think, were probably present as their church was growing. So here's the big conflict as we read in this passage. There is the conflict of rapid growth. So what do we do about that? And there are others who believe that it is our biblical injunction, it is our calling to care for the community's most vulnerable. They're reading through their scriptures, their Hebrew scriptures, where it says time and again to take care of the widow and the orphan and the marginalized. And they are concerned that this growth means that some people are being neglected. So here's the challenge. Here's the transition. Here's the conflict. And I think many organizations, certainly churches that experience this, have this kind of feeling. I remember about three or four years into Urban Village, I think whenever you start something new, you have this, or at least we had this sense of, you know, we're a startup and so we're scrappy and we don't have to be quite as organized. If we're a little rough around the edges, that's okay. But about three or four years in, one of our staff members said, you know what, we 
we are no longer a scrappy church. We need to smooth some things out here. And so there's a conflict there about, well, is this change who we are as the church, or does this just take us to a different phase of who we are as a community of faith? So let's look at where the courage is, or I think anyway, uh, in this passage. And I think it's in two places, both in the very beginning, verse one and verse two. Now, where I see it first, you might not think, in fact, it may seem this verse has nothing to do with courage whatsoever. Remember earlier, verse one, I said, now during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, and then the next three words are the Hellenists complained. Now, where, how on earth is that courageous to complain? Well, I think, I think it's there. For first, a little bit of a side note, when they talk about Hellenists and Hebrews in this passage, really what they're talking about is the difference between the two groups has to do with language. So when it talks about Hellenists, these are people who speak mostly Greek. And when they talk about Hebrews, these are people who speak mostly Aramaic. So we have two different uh, factions in the church speaking, for the most part, different languages. So that already can set them up perhaps for conflict. Maybe there's some other things going on too. But the Hellenists complained. The Hellenists complained. Other translations of this passage says, King James says, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. The message translation says, hard feelings developed among the Greek-speaking believers. So again, as I've said many times, I think it's a good thing to use our imaginations when we're looking at the scriptures. Now, I've been around church long enough to know that uh, complaints are not unusual. It happens with all of them. It's I've done it myself. And often what happens is when we complain about something that we kind of go to the meeting outside the meeting. So we complain to others rather than speaking to somebody about the problems or the issues that we're having. And again, I, I cast no aspersions on anyone in particular. It happens everywhere and all the time. And again, I point the finger at myself sometimes too. I'm going to imagine in this particular case the complaints were actually taken to people who could do something about it. Somebody had an issue with it, and they said something, we're concerned about what's going on here. Now that, I think, takes courage. Because if something is happening in your own life that you are unhappy about, or that you have a concern about, it's hard to go to somebody, especially if there's a power dynamic, if it's somebody that you might be nervous about talking to, it takes courage to speak up. And that's the focus of what I want to, uh, or that's where I want to place the focus today on courage as speech. Courage as saying something when it makes you really nervous and afraid to say something. And that's what we see here, the Hellenist complaint. And we might think, oh, those Hellenists, drop it already. But instead, I think we should maybe cast them in a different light and say they had the courage to speak up because they were concerned and worried that the mission of the church was being changed. So that's one place. And then we see another, I think, another example in the passage where people spoke up, which took courage. And that's in verse two. Verse two says, it is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. So now where's the courage here? I think the leaders are recognizing that something has to change, that they can't do it all. Maybe you've been part of a church or an organization before where there are some people who kind of have control issues and they want to keep on adding to their plate and they have a hard time saying, I can't do it all. They have a hard time saying that I need to give something up. So I think it takes courage to show some vulnerability 
and to say out loud, I can't do it all. There are others who can help out here. So the courage, I think, in this passage is the courage to speak up, the courage to say something, especially when it's somebody with whom that there might be conflict. And I know that's really hard to do. So what happens when we feel resentment or we feel exhaustion that we see perhaps here in the passage? What do we do with this resentment? What do we, where do we take it? Well, I've been reading this book called Courageous Conversations, Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High, and they have the authors talk about what they call style under stress. And they say, generally speaking, when people think about having a conversation that might be challenging or they're feeling uh, some emotions and they don't know what, quite what to do with it, they don't know if they can share them, they move to generally two different areas. They either move to silence or they move what the authors call violence. Now, what do they mean by that? Well, silence is if you're feeling like you want to say something, if you're concerned about something, if you move to silence, there are three things maybe that you do. You might mask it, meaning that you don't, you understate how you really feel. You might avoid, so you don't talk about it at all altogether, or you might withdraw, meaning you just ghost, you bail, you just take yourself out of the situation altogether. Now, for me, Whenever I think about having the courage to have a conversation, silence is usually the thing that I go to. Now, the other area of violence, when people feel strongly about something, they may control that they want to coerce somebody into their way of thinking. They might label, uh, meaning that they put down uh, others. Uh, So if somebody gives an idea, you might say, that's a really dumb idea as a way to, to diminish what they're saying. Or you might attack meaning you want to win the argument, and so you're going to do whatever you can to do so. So when you think about yourself, when you think about, I need to say something here, especially if there's transition happening or change is coming, and you feel like, I need to say something here, at least to bring up an issue, how do you respond? Is it silence or is it violence? And maybe you're a really healthy person, and if so, what's wonderful But I know sometimes we kind of go or default to one of these two areas and we don't ask God for the courage to to speak up in healthy ways. Friends, it takes courage to speak up, especially in time of transition, especially when it seems like the train is already moving. Now, we may not think of speaking as courage. After all, the definition of courage, according to one of my dictionaries, is the ability to do something that frightens one. So we might think of courage as actually taking physical actions. But it takes courage to live into transition. It takes courage to speak from one's heart. The root of the word courage means heart. The Hellenists complained. The leaders realized that they weren't living into their giftedness. Sometimes speaking up means that you might slow things down a little bit. Sometimes... It means that transitions might happen because of what you say. And all of that can be really hard and challenging. When you're in a marriage and you speak up and say, I'm concerned about our lack of communication, or I'm not feeling loved, or I'm concerned about these behaviors that you are going through. The courage to speak up and say, I'm dying, and I want to think about how this transition is happening in my life. The courage to say, I'm gay. The courage to say, me too. Uh, All kinds of different examples that we can point to when we speak up 
either in the midst of transition or by speaking up and then transition takes place because of what we said. All of these things take courage. As I was thinking about people in my life who I admire because of something they've said, I thought about this woman who I'll call Sarah. Sarah was a member of a part of our church in the early years and came somewhat reluctantly to church. Her partner wanted to find a church, and so she kind of came along, but then she kind of discovered that she was something was happening to her own life and her own heart as she was coming to church, and she kind of fought it. She was a pretty liberal person and uh, kind of a funny story. Her parents were also open-minded, and when she came out to her parents that she was gay, her parents were loving and welcoming, but... Sarah was a little nervous about telling her parents that she was actually going to church, that she might even find herself believing in God. That's what made her nervous about talking to her parents. But that wasn't the only secret that she had. That wasn't the only thing that she was afraid to name. There was uh, one day through various circumstances, we were actually at a baseball game together. This was a group outing with other church members. And so we're there, this is watching the White Sox play and we're sitting there in the stands and we start talking and she starts beginning to share some things out of her own life. And I realized like, this is more than just small talk. She's really beginning to open up here. And she talked about some of the struggles that she was having with her life and feeling out of control. And then I kid you not, as the seventh inning stretch of the game happened, so people are standing up, uh, singing this song. She says to me, I think I'm an alcoholic. And it was one of the most unique places that I've ever done pastoral care. All these people are surrounding us, singing and having a good time. And Sarah is or had the courage to share with me, this is something in my life that I'm afraid of. And I'm afraid that by speaking it and naming it, something's going to happen. A pretty big transition is going to happen in my life because I name it. But I think she knew she had to. And she had the courage to speak it out loud and then think about what transitions would happen because of it. I was grateful for that conversation, for the courage that she showed in naming it and speaking it. And it stayed with me over the years as I think about at times the courage that I want to have when something needs to be said. Change and transition happens all the time. And as I noted earlier, it stirs up in us Anxiety, fear, loss, maybe some hope. But we also have to have courage to live into it. And we have to have courage to, when we think about it, to to name something and to speak it. Either to say, like, I'm afraid about this. That takes courage to say that. The courage to say, I'm afraid this takes us away from the mission of our church. It takes courage to say that. It takes courage to say something that you know is going to bring about change in your life. Like Sarah did when she said, I'm an alcoholic. When someone comes out to their parents. When someone says, I'm afraid that what's happening here is racist. I'm concerned that our organization is losing track of who we're supposed to serve. Standing up and saying something, whether others might accuse you of being a complainer or not, all of these things takes courage. And I pray that you begin to think about how you might live into that in your own life. Is there something in your life right now that needs to be said? Either 
whether you're in a time of transition or whether by saying something that will bring about change and transition. As you reflect on that and pray about it, maybe talk to someone else about it, I pray that God would give you the kind of courage that can only come from God, that you have that courage to say something and speak up before that you, or rather I should say that you don't just kind of grit your teeth and go through the pain alone. Trusting and knowing that when you do, that God is with you in the midst of it. In those first steps of living in to the new thing that is happening. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. As always, you can reach out to me, uh, email christian at urbanvillagechurch.org or go to my website, christiancoon.com and reach out to me there. We're starting a new sermon series next week that we're calling Stranger Things. And uh, we're talking about some of the odd and bizarre statements that Jesus made in his uh, ministry. So friends, until the next time that we're together, may the peace of Christ be with you. And thou my true word, I